Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Welcome back to Set for Life. You know, people keep asking me if I'm a fisherman. Um, I've fished before, but I'm not an active fisherman. They say, well, you've got the Magellan shirt on and you got a fish hook on your hat here. I do have a fish hook on my hat right here. It was belonged to my grandfather. And I wear it on my hat all the time because it it starts a dialogue. People ask me, oh, fish hook, are you a fisherman? And I say, yeah, I was. I think I was ordering food at a restaurant. It was the last guy that asked me if I was a fisherman. I said, yeah, I'm a fisherman. He says, so where do you fish around here? And I say, oh, right here. He goes, what do you mean right here? There's no water right here. I said, oh, I, I fish right here. He says, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm fishing right now. And he was taking my order at a restaurant at the register. How can you fish right here? I could see the look on his face. And I said, I'm a fisher of men. And I gave him the gospel. And so do you have anything about yourself that says, I'm all about the gospel? Well, maybe you should, right? So anyway, no, I don't fish much. I have before, but I need to fish every day. As a fisher of men, I fish for Jesus Christ. So today we are in First Kings chapter 18. I'm going to call this the big bailout. B-A-A-L, the big bailout. <laughs> you know, back in grade school, for a starter, um, when two guys had these differences that they wanted to settle, they would say, at least in my school, they would say, I'll meet you at the ballpark because there's a baseball field close by. And man, when somebody says, I'll see you at the ballpark after school, boy, we knew what that meant. That meant there was going to be a big showdown after school. But today's message is called the big bailout. That means there's going to be a big showdown because the Lord was taking Baal worship out of the land. The big bailout. They're going to get bail out. And there's a, a time coming where somebody says, I'll see you at Mount Carmel. And they were going to have a big showdown. You know something big is going down today in First Kings 18. And now we'll start in verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. And Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go into the land to all the springs of water and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. 
So here we are after three full years of no rain, none. King Ahab was still worshiping Baal, still at it. He still didn't understand the full effect of how he was provoking the Lord's wrath, and it was resulting in this dehydrated, dry famine. A lot of people don't believe that God does this kind of thing. They don't realize even today that the sin that is being pushed on our society is resulting in what they call natural disasters, weather events that they don't think has anything to do with sin, but it does. Ahab didn't get it. People today still don't get it. But add to the fact that his queen, we just get the mention of Jezebel here, Ahab's queen Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets. But Obadiah, we have this other guy now, Obadiah was a godly man. He hid 100 prophets away, and he was feeding them with bread and water, it says, which in itself, this is amazing to me that while the king of Israel had to go out and look for water, hey, we need to go look for water, our mules are going to die, and we're going to kill livestock, (laughs) Obadiah was right under his nose, and he was feeding food and water to 100 of God's prophets, God's men. Look how the Lord God provides even during a time of famine. 1 Kings 18 and 7. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him, and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. So he said, How have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he's not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you, that the spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab, and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here, he will kill me. Elijah, you got to think, he'd been a wanted man all this time, probably had a price on his head, but Obadiah was afraid that if he reported that, hey, I saw Elijah, that he was afraid, Elijah, you're just going to disappear on me again. Elijah's been gone for a long time. People have been going all over the place trying to find him. King Ahab was not able to find him after all this time. Obadiah was afraid, if I say I saw you, you're just going to disappear. The Lord's going to take you somewhere where I don't know. I'm the one that's going to be left holding the bag, and Ahab is going to kill me. That's what Obadiah was afraid of. Maybe also, let's explore a few other possibilities. Maybe Obadiah thought the king might think he was playing tag team with Elijah, like he's here now and now he's not. You know, One minute he's here, next minute he's gone but that he was keeping Elijah's location a secret. That's why the king would kill him. Well, if you saw Elijah, then where is he at? Well, well king, I don't know. Okay, kill him. That's, that's a legitimate concern there. But maybe uh, there's another scenario where uh, Ahab would have thought that Obadiah was mocking him. Hey, I saw Elijah. 
<laughs> the guy that you've been looking for with all your authority and all your power, and you can't find him. I, yeah, I saw him. And that Ahab would be like, well, you making fun of me here and then have him killed. I mean, all these possibilities. There's all these scenarios that would make Ahab mad. Obadiah felt it would make himself the victim. I'm the one that's going to go down to this, Elijah, while God just whisks you away again and hides you somewhere where nobody can find you, and I'm going to be the one responsible for the whole thing. And so Obadiah felt like he needed to tell Elijah. He said, like, look, I hid 100 prophets from that murdering Jezebel. I've done all this stuff to honor the Lord God, and you want me to go just tell Ahab that you're here, like you just showed up out of nowhere when you're probably going to disappear again, and I'm going to be all alone, this guy Ahab is going to kill me. 1 Kings 18, 15. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Did you see how Ahab just referred to the Lord God as the Lord of hosts? He called him the Lord of hosts. This means he is the Lord God of the armies of heaven. Okay. He just spoke on military force terms, military power that the, tr- that he trusted that God would protect Obadiah. He's like, Obadiah, look, don't worry about this. The Lord God of the armies of heaven, military heaven power is going to protect you. Ahab tries to lay a hand on you. I stand before the Lord God of armies, the Lord of hosts. He was trying to encourage Obadiah in doing this. So here comes the big showdown now. The mighty King Ahab versus the elusive Elijah. Sounds like a big UFC fight event, a big boxing match coming up. That The two are once again going to be standing in the same ring together for round two of the title fight. Here it comes. 1 Kings 18:17 Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him Is that you O troubler of Israel and he answered I have not troubled Israel but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Okay, here we go. The, the, the two fighters are coming into the boxing ring. They're walking into the octagon to fight, and they're going to taunt each other. Oh, you're the troubler. It's not me. You're the one doing it, buddy. You can hear the talk going on like guys do, but he Elijah was bold, man. He was a seriously bold guy to stand there and counter the king's insult. I'm not the troublemaker. You are. You're the one causing the trouble. We're going to settle this at Mount Carmel. Now, Elijah remained firm in his faith to turn Ahab's accusation back on him. He was not going to let the insult fall on him. So here's this big face-off between two rivals. And Elijah said, I'll see you at Mount Carmel and bring all your buddies with you, basically what he said. Bring all your prophets, bring everybody that eats at Jezebel's table. We will settle, we are going to settle this difference. Now, we all know what this means. Something big is about to go down. So, now you remember the 100 prophets of God that Obadiah was feeding. So, here we see that Jezebel had 450 prophets of Baal plus 
400 prophets of Asherah that it says that she fed at her table. Who's Asherah? Asherah was the supposed wife of Baal. So Ahab and Jezebel, they're all into this Baal business. They don't realize they're about to get bailed out, but they're all about Baal. And they don't want none of this God of Israel stuff. They want Baal. And here comes Elijah. We'll settle this at Mount Carmel. See you at the ballpark, so to speak. So he challenged them. You come to Mount Carmel and bring all 850 of your little gang with you. We'll settle this out. First Kings 18.20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. They're like, okay, we'll agree to this. This sounds like something we'll do. So Ahab, he apparently agreed to go to Mount Carmel. Let's settle this down. But one of the reasons why Ahab was went to Mount Carmel is because they considered Mount Carmel to be the very dwelling place of Baal. Their false god, Baal, that's where Baal lives. That's his home, Mount Carmel. We're going to win there. I think Elijah knew this, and he said, hey, let's go meet on Mount Carmel to kind of stack the odds sort of against himself to make God look that much more glorified, right? So Ahab thinks he's got the upper hand here. Oh, my gosh. We're going to go take on the God of Israel at Baal's own home turf. This is a win-win for us. But in reality, Ahab just got suckered into his own overconfidence. He has no idea what's coming. (laughs) So when they all gathered there, the Israelites had been kind of teetering between Baal or God of Israel. We don't know. Whoever, whatever, I don't know. So he put all of them to a decision. You need to figure out which God you serve. You need to pick a side, get on it, and you need to stay there. Make up your mind. So he put them to this. Whichever God answers the sacrifice of these bulls that we're going to burn up, whichever God answers them to consume this sacrifice by fire, then you have got to regard that one as the true God. Whichever God actually pulls it off, whichever God actually does it, that's going to be God. And so the people said, okay. We're good with that. Let's see what goes down. So you, you got to realize the people are just realize, are just now understanding what's happening in this showdown, that whichever God answers is real, but whichever God does not answer is not real. It is an imposter God. It is a false God. And the Israelites didn't say anything. It said they were real quiet about all this, what was getting set up, because I think they were kind of curious to find out who was going to pull it off, who was going to win. Because if the Lord was going to let them down, if the Lord God of Israel can't do it, then we can always go back to serving Baal. 
you know what? What about if Baal doesn't do it? We'll go to serve in the Lord God. But I, I, whoever doesn't win, we'll go serve the other. Well, you know, we got an option. Whichever one doesn't work, we'll just go to the other other direction. We'll just go the other way. First Kings eighteen and twenty five. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, "Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it." So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's meditating or he's busy or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping, and he must be awakened. So they cried aloud, and they cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. Okay, friends, look at this. When you're actually trying to set something on fire, the last thing you want to do is pour water all over it, okay? I've seen guys try to light barbecue pits, and they had a hard time. They're trying to put some uh, starter fluid. Don't use gasoline, okay? Don't be crazy. But they're they're trying to light it with something that's going to catch. Now, if somebody came and poured a bunch of a big giant bucket of water on it three times, you'd probably smack the guy and say, you idiot, that's not what you want to do. (laughs) You don't pour water on something you're trying to set on fire. And so what Elijah was doing was he was trying to make it look as impossible as he could get it for anyone to set any of it on fire. The Lord was going to demonstrate himself through impossibility. And so Elijah did everything he could. First off, he met them there at Mount Carmel, the supposed dwelling place of Baal himself. Now he's going to pour water on the sacrifice. He's making everything look as unlikely as possible for the Lord to come through, to show them that when he does come through, they need to make a decision. Hey, this is the God we need to be serving. And so the prophets of Baal, they finally came to a realization that they had failed After all day, dancing, jumping around like crazy people, cutting themselves, doing their little cultural things to arouse the the false god of Baal, and nobody answered. Nobody paid attention because he wasn't real. There is no Baal. They did everything they could. 
So here's Elijah trying to fail. I mean, they failed. The Baal prophets failed at doing their best. Elijah is making it look like he's trying to fail. (laughs) He's pouring water on the sacrifice on Mount Carmel, Baal's hometown, right? Because he knew that God was capable of burning the offering up, even though there was water poured on it enough times to fill the trench that was around it, filled it up with water all the way around. But what I find amazing here is that Elijah put 12 stones on the altar, one stone for each tribe. He built the the altar of God had been knocked down. Somebody that was pro-Baal, that wanted the false god worship, knocked the Lord's altar down, and Elijah rebuilt it with 12 stones. Now, we have to remember that during this time, Israel had been a divided kingdom. There's 12 tribes of Israel, one stone for each tribe. And so there was even at one time where the divided kingdom, one half of it divided again. You actually had, for a period of about six years, you had three different uh, divided kingdoms in the nation of Israel. They were divided, divided again. And so when he put When Elijah put 12 stones on the altar, Elijah knew that God still saw the Israelite people as his one chosen people who were still in that one covenant with him that God would still bless them as a people, a divided people, but he would still bless them as one people with a unified destiny together. So look at this. When he put these 12 stones together, 12, you imagine all the Israelites watching him do this. Hey, look, he picked a stone for Benjamin. Hey, look, he picked a stone for Judah. Hey, look, he, he got our stone. Everybody's stone is there, and he put it all together so that all the divided tribes would one day, he knew, Elijah knew this, would be a place unified one place where the Lord God would be glorified. Look at the imagery in this. Isn't this great? 1 Kings 18.36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Elijah did not do all the dramatic jumping around and all that stuff like the prophets of Baal did, no cutting himself and all that religious nonsense. Elijah, just he just simply prayed to the Lord God, but he used specific wording that was intended for the Israelites to hear it, so that they would remember the covenant promise that they had with the Lord. You heard how he prayed. The Israelites would start thinking, yeah, you know what? We're supposed to be in covenant with the Lord God of Israel. The Lord is very passionate about his people, Israel. He's very loving. He chose them. So do you think this is a prayer that the Lord God would answer, that Elijah would pray like this? Lord God, remember your covenant with your people. Do you think the Lord's going to answer this? Well, of course he will. 1 Kings 18, 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.